Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another Amped interview. Summer has passed us by, and we are in the midst of fall now, which is just amazing to me. This year is just going so fast. I don't know if you feel the same way, but gracious, definitely feels that way to me. I've been looking forward to sharing this interview with you all for uh, several months, as a matter of fact, just to illustrate the fact that the year goes by quickly. I interviewed our guest, Tanya, back, I believe, in May. It's hard to tell, but at that point, she wasn't certain when the album was going to be released, so we knew that we were recording this waiting for the uh, the planned date to surface. Tanya Godzi is a singer, songwriter, and a worship leader, and her new album is uh, releasing today, this being September 30th, 2016. A lot of great topics that we discuss in this particular interview, not the least of which is the role of anxiety and depression in the formation of this album, and also how it influences us as Christians as we interact with people who are struggling with mental health issues. So it's important to recognize there's not any quick fix related to anxiety and depression. I love the fact that Tanya also addresses what it means to feel unlovable and why God chooses to use this in our lives and in our interactions with other people. We're also going to delve a bit into songwriting and the inherent nature of trust associated with songwriting and collaboration. I suspect you're really going to enjoy the conversation. I hope you don't mind that we like to get deep sometimes here at Frequency. I hope you enjoy meeting Tanya, and I hope that encourages you to check out her album, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Frequency.fm presents The Amped Interview. Hey guys, this is Joe and uh, welcome to another Amped Interview. We are blessed this fine morning to spend some quality time with singer-songwriter Tanya Godzi. We invited Tanya uh, on to chat about her new album, Lovelines, The Last Horizon, which is coming out soon. We want to uh, welcome you, Tanya, to uh, join us on the interview. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you're in, uh, what, Nashville? Is that right, today? We are in a suburb of Nashville called Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and what's great is last week, when we almost interviewed you, you were actually uh, in the Seattle area, so not far from my neck of the woods. That's right. We were in in God's country. (laughs) Now, I know some people would debate that, and uh, you and I, before we started, talked about why the Northwest is the best place to be, but that you don't want to hurt any relationships, and you're That's not going right. to share that at this point. We, we, love, we love every state, but we, are, we especially love the golden hour um, in Seattle. It's just a beautiful place, so... It is. It's gorgeous. I don't live up there anymore. I live in the Portland area, but we know that there are beautiful things about every state and that you have no real preferences. So (laughs) (laughs) that's right. Well, for folks in our audience who might not have a perspective who you are or may not have heard your name, we like to hit our artists right up front with the most difficult question, which is who is Tanya Godsey? Well, um, I think maybe the easiest way to answer that is I'm a singer, songwriter, worship leader, um, but I'm also a wife and a mom of two young kids. Um, and I have been working on my third record for the last year or so, and we've wrapped it up recently. And so um, I'm in the process of, of just getting ready to announce that musical statement to the world. Um, 
I grew up in Texas. I'm originally from the Dallas area. I was a pastor's daughter. Um, so lots of layers to my story, but um, ultimately, I think that pretty much sums it up. All right. So you, I, I guess I should have recognized by the little accent you have there that you were from uh, Texas. My wife is <laughs> from Houston, which is the armpit of um, Texas, um, quite literally. But uh, Dallas is, I know there's a, a tension there between Dallas and Houston, but I think my mm-hmm. wife would even say that Dallas is better simply because there's not as moist. <laughs> right. Oh, I still, I still love it. It's still home. You know, when you grow up somewhere and graduate and work and grow community, it's still home. So yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm headed back there in a few weeks actually. So, you know, one of the things I should probably acknowledge is how you and I got introduced. If you don't mind, if I do that, Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Um, that we met through our mutual friend, uh, Stacy Frenis. Um, folks who are listeners know that, um, we've talked to Stacy a couple of times and she's one of our favorite folks. Um, so that's how I got introduced to, uh, to Tanya. Um, if you don't mind my asking, how, how do you and Stacy know each other? Oh gosh, Stacy and I met maybe seven or eight years ago and we ended up being writing partners. Um, she co-wrote a song, um, on my second record. And so, um, I've been, uh, a guest in her community in her church and she's been a guest in mine. And so we just forged a relationship over time, a really beautiful artist to artist, you know, walking alongside of one another relationship. Uh, She's great. Yeah. Uh, we, we would tend to agree. And that's actually part of the reason why we're like, well, we better talk to Tanya because if Stacy likes her, then she can't be <laughs> an awful person. Well, um, one of the things I want to ask about, because I think it's um, significant to talking about the journey of the album, Love Lines, The Last Horizon, there's quite an effort that it took just to get to the point where this album was even going to occur. Gosh, I think you were heading into the studio, if I remember correctly, what, June 30th, 2015? Do I have that date right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. That was the day that recording was, was uh, set to begin. Um, and yeah, that was our first day, first scheduled day. Now you share a story on your blog that I think is important. Um, it seems important or significant associated with your journey of this album. Uh, something that happened that the evening before that, um, kind of colored where the album went from there. Is it something that you'd be willing to share with the audience? Sure. Um, yeah, I, as most artists, uh, walking into a recording situation would attest to, you know, you walk in the door with these songs and um, I had probably 20 songs just ready to, ready to go. But um, what happened that night sort of changed the trajectory of the record um, and, and of my writing. So um on the night of June 29th, um, you know, I went to bed just really excited. I was scheduled to go in the next morning. We had really prayed through the process and um, God had met all of our needs in terms of funding and songs and personnel. Um, I was scheduled to go in and record with one of my dream producers and um, went to bed with a little bit of a, I call it a Christmas Eve twinkle in my eye. I was really excited. Yeah. Um, but in, in the wee hours of the morning, I was just woken up by, by a noise. And as a mom of two young children, I'm really accustomed to, you know, 
being woken up by a bad dream or a bad cough. Um, but when I woke up and heard um, the crying, it was not it was not my children. It was my husband. Mm. And, um, it was very um, it's shocking. Um, he is a left brain um, engineer, um, very, very steady and calm. And, you know, he has built his livelihood and really his relationships in life around logical reasoning and um, common sense. And uh, he's not a, he's not a person that I've seen cry more than a few times in, in our marriage. So it was it was very uh, it was just a jolt. Um, especially at three o'clock in the morning. But um, I did, you know, growing up as a pastor's daughter, um, I did what any Bible-believing pastor's daughter would do. I just um, took his hand and we we prayed together and we didn't know what was happening um, in the moment. Um, But I just sort of told myself, you know, this has just got to be an isolated case. It just has to be, you know, maybe he's stressed out. Maybe he's got anxiety about this record and and maybe what it will entail and demand from our family. Um, So I just thought it was an isolated case. Um, But as it turns out, it just, it wasn't. And so it it marked the trajectory of the record um, in the sense that every day, um, when I went into the studio, I was sort of carrying that with me um, because every day it was, you know, it was kind of manifesting itself every day. It was, we, we, we just entered into kind of a new normal um, and a new level of brokenness as a family. And so it changed the way that I collaborated. It changed the way that the place that I recorded from and, um, and it actually changed my writing. So it was a, it was a defining moment for our family for sure. And a a long process after that to really have eyes to see what the Lord was going to do through it. It's um, it's hard. Uh, I I can tell you, and I I think if I recall correctly, that it's this was um, anxiety and depression manifesting itself. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and I and I hope that uh, your husband's comfortable with us discussing this a little bit. Uh, right. But uh, my my wife and I've mentioned this I think before in interviews, uh, as I've chatted with folks on the show, um, has uh, struggled with uh, panic disorder and extreme anxiety, and uh, she's uh, has it under control, but it defined how she responded to situations in life for a long time. And I think for some folks, when they hear what you're sharing about, it's Jake, right? Jake? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what Jake's experience is waking up there, um, they don't necessarily realize how um, something like anxiety uh, and depression will kind of take over what's happening w- with you as an individual. And you, even as a family, you've alluded to this, enter into a new norm uh, that. It, you don't just wake up and the life continues the way it was before. It's now we're addressing this and now we adjust as a family system to these changes. And you are doing this in the midst of creative, this creative process to produce this new album. So that had to be overwhelming in many ways. 
Oh, absolutely. It was, um, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a challenge to just try to, to figure out how do I serve my husband and how do I serve this record and how do I serve my children? There were so many demands, you know, um, I was, was probably working 20 hour days for three or four months. Wow. And, um, and then the nights, as, as some people know, who've struggled with depression and anxiety, your sleep can be really affected by it. And so, um, our, our nights were very short anyway. Um, and I started working through some of those, um, just as a way to, to, to still be productive. Um, and, um, so, so it was a, a season of really discovering a new dependence on the Lord, um, right. you know, and just, uh, really pressing into our faith, um, our community, um, and God's word in a new way. Um, we, we were doing everything that we could really to equip ourselves to, to, to fight our way through it. Now, just to clarify, you entered the studio on June 30th with a collection of maybe 20 songs from which to work for this album. How did the songs that ended up on uh, Love Lines, the, the Last Horizon, correspond with the events at home, or, or do they at all? Yeah, that's a great question. We, um, we took about a month um, to do the first half of the record. And, and it, this is just, I see God's sovereignty all over this because we had planned on taking a two month break in the middle. And, um, this was before anything had ever happened. It's just the way that my schedule was go going to work out. And, um, Ben was totally fine with it and was actually going to make another record in the middle of my, of my record. So, um, I entered, um, for the first half and then took a two month break. So during that two month break, I had great time to process what was happening. And I had basically two months to, to write new songs and to add to the collection and to really pray about what, you know, what of this season um, do I need to document on this record and what, um, what do I want to say? What do I have the authority to say now that I did not have the authority to say, you know, right. in May? So that's how that happened. Any any songs that stand out to you that represent that second half of putting the album together? Absolutely. Well, Watchmen was um, was the song that really got us through um, that time. Um, uh, one of the late nights that we had up and just, you know, caught on the struggle. Um, I, I remember hearing the Psalm, you know, wait for the Lord as watchmen wait for the morning as watchmen wait for the morning. And I just remember that just sort of echoing off the walls of my heart over and over and over. And as I went to the piano to sort of work that out as, as I often do, um, in my process of faith and life, um, I remember feeling just a really strong sense, you know, we may not ever see the other side of this. Like this may be our new normal. This may be the reality because we had done everything to sort of change it. We have, we had, um, met with elders. We had gone to counseling, you know, 
we had gone to the doctor, everything that we could do, and it still wasn't changing. And I felt like that song defined, um, redefined what it what it mean what it meant for me to really trust the Lord. Maybe in the absence of answers and understanding, maybe God wants to offer us something more, you know, and maybe that something more is more of Himself. Maybe that's what we really need through this. And so that song was birthed from um, that season. And Wild Love is another song that um, that redefined my view of um, God's love for us and for the world. And um, there's something about pain and suffering that makes you feel sometimes, or at least made me feel a little bit unlovable. Yeah. And um, so when I... Um, I sat down to really pray through what I felt needed to be said on the second half. The message that I got was just go and tell them that I love them. Just go and tell them, go and tell them that I love them. And I thought, well, why would you send me, you know, I feel so unlovable and so broken and so um, sort of hopeless in this season. And, um, I needed that message first as often many songwriters will tell you that, you know, their songs are for them first. And and that song was definitely for me first, but, but it was one that was birthed out of Lord redefining what, what his love looks like. Cause it's easy for us in our, in our circumstances, in our situations to just say, you know, I don't feel loved in this. I feel forgotten. I don't feel remembered, but it was as if he was saying, I remember you. I remember you. You're not forgotten. You're loved. Um, I cannot forget you. So those are the two songs that stand out right off the bat. That reminds me a bit of, um, and this is, this song is probably overexposed at this point, but um, Matt Marr wrote that song, Your Grace is Enough. Um, so, you know, remember your children. There's a kind of a pre-chorus there that kind of is almost a ridiculous statement. Like, of course, God remembers you. And of course, God loves you. But it's hard sometimes when you are in the valley to to be thinking in a let's say a rational sense about that kind of stuff because you are you are you you are struggling and you feel alone and and sometimes to be quite honest and I don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of time on this but I think it's important um, we as a Christian community can be very uh, we can tend to marginalize. Um, things that aren't tangible when it comes to um, depression, anxiety, and things. And people tend to speak to you in ways like, if you just pray really hard about it, it'll be better. And where's your faith in this? Don't you believe enough in God to just take that anxiety and depression away? Um, so I just mm-hmm. wanted to throw that out there. I don't know if you care to respond to that or not, if that's your experience. Well, absolutely. I think um, I think there were so many well-meaning people who um, who spoke into the situation, and I think they were as frustrated as we were um, when after after going through the process of reaching out for help, it just wasn't changing. And that's why I think it's it's just so important to have people in your life who will sit with you in your pain, who will just sit with you in it, and who will um, listen and um, you know, it's so important, like for us as believers, to abide in in God and to abide in His Word. And I feel like in community, we just need people to abide with us. 
to just be with us and like to enter into the ministry of presence, just being present with us. That's so powerful, especially in the rat race that we're in today where people just, you know, we clock in, we clock out. Um, we, we sort of circulate our lives around the status quo and, and around taking care of us first, but, but to have someone who will just sit with you and who will endure the suffering with you, I think that was the greatest gift to us. That's really well said. And, and it's, that's so, so true. Now, one of the other things just to transition that I noticed uh, as I was reading through the credits, I was listening to the album was that you, uh, you co-wrote um, a few songs, most of the songs you wrote yourself, but then uh, there's one co-writer that just stands out and that's Sarah Hart. We haven't chatted with her, but she's just part of that kind of small community of um, Catholic artists. And, and we've been talking, interestingly enough, with a few Catholic artists this year, including um, Audrey Assad and uh, Josh Blakesley. So how did you come to write with Sarah and what was... Uh, how did she pour into your songwriting? Well, Sarah and I have a really long-standing relationship. Um, I sang background vocals on one of her records probably ten years ago, and so our um, our relationship goes back years. And she helped co-write um, a song on my second record. So um, one of the things um, for me with the people that I collaborate, I always, as a relationship first person, um, love just to, to know a person really, really well. Um, songwriting for me is sort of an entrustment, you know, to get into a room with somebody and invite them into the conversation of your struggle or your life. Um, it's, it's just a, a pretty, pretty big deal to me. And so, um, I reached out to her um, because I trusted her with um, my artistry and my heart. And we sat down for, for a couple of days and wrote several songs. Um, and I, she just has a way of serving whoever she is with um, in terms of writers. She's just a wonderful co-writer, wonderful artist, wonderful person. Um, so what she brought to, to those songs is um, I'm so grateful for and, She's just a dear, dear friend. Well, I know um, not to uh, hijack this conversation. She just released an album, gosh, I think in May of this year that, um, that has been getting a lot of good, uh, has been getting a lot of positive press, let's say from folks. So as people are listening, if you haven't had a chance um, do you remember, Tanya, I hate to ask you this, do you remember the name of the album? Because I can't remember off the top of my head. I believe it's Til, Til the Song is Sung, I believe. That sounds right. Regardless, I'll put it in uh, the comments. So as people are listening, they want to check out what Sarah Hart has been doing. That will be there as well. Again, not to hijack Tanya's interview, but um, Sarah uh, is really a, a remarkable artist as well. And we like to, to call those things out where we can. Now, um, I, I kind of want to transition to something still related to the album, but a little more, let's say, lighthearted. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. As you went in to work with Ben Shive, who's the producer of this album, I'm not sure if we mentioned that yet, he issued you a challenge almost immediately um, related uh, to getting this album put together. Can you explain a bit about that to folks? Right. Um, he and I recorded a Christmas single, um, in 2014 and, um, you know, we were, we collaborated on that. It was almost a, a way to say, Hey, let's see how we would work together and let's, let's figure this out. 
And on the way out of that process, um, when we realized that we would probably be making a record together, um, he's like, you know, what would be really cool is if you could go home and spend some time, you know, um, coming up with kick patterns and, <laughs> and, you know, if you bring in a MIDI too, we can use that. And I just remember thinking it like, it sounded like a foreign language to me. Yeah. I just, you know, most piano based singer songwriters sit at a piano and, you know, tickle the ivories and write, write pretty melodies. That That's kind of what we do. Um, never before had I ventured into the, the area of, you know, MIDI tracks or, you know, downloading samples to, um, determine my own kick patterns. That just wasn't, you know, on on the trajectory of what I had prepared uh, myself to do. But, um, I don't know as a, as a five on the Enneagram, (laughs) I, uh, um, I don't, there's not a challenge that I'm not willing to accept. Like I will go through whatever I have to go through and exhaust all the possibilities before I'm going to call it quiz. Um, and so as, as having a little bit of the inventor in me, um, I just was curious about it. And so I went and downloaded, um, a sample library from that sound, um, which is the, the Paul Mayberry, um, outfit here in Nashville. Um, great, great drum samples. Yeah. And, um, I got a recording rig and um, just equipped myself to to do it. And um, I bought a Nord, which is I now carry on the road with me. Um, and so I just dug dug in, and I, for three months, I um, just really fought hard to figure out the personalities of the songs. Um, I you know I wanted to to walk in with with things that I felt proud of but still leave room for obviously for he and I to collaborate on um on the final product. Um so yeah it was a really interesting process and I learned a lot and I just feel like I, I've come out of it with a new skill set. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that he challenged me. Now did that experience end up coloring some of the songs in ways that you didn't expect or change even your creative process from a songwriting perspective? Absolutely. Uh, there are so many hooks on the record that were birthed in my little studio here. And um, there there are st- some samples um, that we pulled in from my pre-production on the record. Um, there, there are kick patterns that, that stuck. Um, so, so what you're hearing very much, the, the, the building blocks were those three months of pre-production that I did at home. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, it defined, I mean, the whole, um, I think you use the word ethereal. Um, I think cinematic is in that same family of (laughs) adjectives. Um, the whole cinematic approach, uh, to some of the songs came from just me exploring with my Nord and with my recording rig and, um, and that sort of gave us a path, you know, to walk on. I, uh, I mentioned before we started recording that as I listened to the album, it has uh, almost an ethereal quality in some aspects to it. But then those drums, and you know, having the perspective of the story about that challenge that Ben issued, um, those drums really 
kind of pull you through from a trajectory perspective. Those drums are really pulling at you. Even with some of the heaviness of what you as a family were experiencing, there's a lightness and a, and a positivity around the album that I think might catch folks by surprise if all they did was listen to us talk about it. And I want to affirm you for creating something that is not derivative from a, um, a musical perspective, from a lyrical perspective that really kind of wakes you up. It almost feels like, um, this is going to sound like a strange analogy, but like a um, waking up in a meadow um, on a late spring day, you know, with the grass covered in dew. I mean, there's just something about that that's very fresh about that album. So you don't have to respond to that. I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. Well, um, I, I want to respect your time. We've been talking for, gosh, 45 minutes now. Uh, so, I, But I appreciate your time. So what I want to make sure I share with people before we let you go is um, remind folks the name of the album is Love Lines, The Horizon. Do you have an official release date set for that, or are you still looking at that? Um, love, Yeah, the name of the record is Love Lines, The Last Horizon, and it's um, it's scheduled to be released September 30th. Now, you and I have chatted about that ahead of time and we we're going to be this interview is going to go out right before the album comes out so folks who are listening if you're listening to this which you should be um the album is, is right not to overuse the term is right on the horizon so be be looking for that we'll include links to it so that you can pre-order that if it's not already available um now for folks tanya who want to kind of track with you in your journey as as an artist what's the the best way to connect with you whether it's social media or website Right. My website is tanyagotzi.com. And if you if you hit that website up, my all of my social media accounts are sort of linked there. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so, yeah, I'd love to connect. Excellent. Well, thank you again for your time. And we're so excited for people to hear your album. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a joy. Frequency.fm is a podcast featuring Christian artists, authors, creatives, and experts. For more music reviews, book reviews, and articles, please visit us at Frequency.fm.